This is the Psyche of Success. Podcasting around the globe. Join us as we interview superstars in their respective fields and help you master the psychology of winning big in business and in life. Here's your host, author, speaker, and business coach, Jody Holland. We're going to go through five key areas today. The first is how you manage yourself. When you are switching, particularly if you're used to going to an office and working, and now you're going to go work from home, it is a significantly different experience of trying to manage who you are and what you do during the day. We'll talk about how you communicate effectively, particularly when you're not right there with the people that you work with. Talk about how you create the right mindset, how you manage the technology and use the right technology to make sure that you stay connected with the people you work with. And then we'll talk about how you make sure that your priorities stay right. So I'm managing yourself. I want to talk about three key areas first. The first is you got to understand who you are. I believe in using the everything disc assessments. If you've not taken one of those, they are fantastic. They give you the ideas of how you work, the way you connect with people, the way your mind works, the way you process. And there's four key areas that it goes through. You have dominance, influence, steadiness, and conscientiousness. Dominant individuals are big picture thinkers and driven by task. Influencers are big picture thinkers that are driven by relationship. Steady individuals are detail-oriented and driven by relationship. And conscientious is detail-oriented and driven by task. The dominance and the conscientious individuals typically do really well working from home because they're so driven by task anyway that it, it's not going to interfere by having those distractions around them. It's the influencers and the steady individuals on the relationship side, they tend to struggle a little more because they need the connection and they need that relationship with other people in order to keep things moving in the right direction. So, whoops, we have a... A little interference here. Give me just one second. Um, great thing about working from home is you always have the opportunity for weird things to happen. And uh, we have our dog here with us. Great dog, but every now and then it gets a little overly excited. So we're going to get back on track here. Give me one second to plug the slide in. This is funny. I love the dog, but she jumped the fence and came in here. So as you're thinking about who you are and what you need from a personality standpoint, I want you to think about whether you're more relationally driven or task driven. The people that are more relationally driven, you've got to find a way to connect on a regular basis to fulfill that need. If you don't find that way to connect regularly, I think what you're going to discover is you start getting depressed and you start losing your momentum. So find ways to stay connected if you're driven first by relationship. From a time management standpoint, your personality plays into the way that you would manage time. A dominant individual, I would refer to them as a bulldozer. The bulldozers are the individuals that they really push hard and they have a tendency to run over things. What you have to watch out for in working from home is that you don't become overly aggressive with your family. You got to stay calm, stay focused, but have a plan to chunk your time so that you spend a little time with the people that are around you, particularly if you still have kids at home. The influencers, those are the energizer bunnies. They believe they're always going to have plenty of time, but their big struggle in time management is they tend to not schedule 
And then they get to the end of the day and they're like, oh my gosh, I haven't gotten anything done today. And so they start freaking out and trying to cram it all in at the end. You having a schedule that you live by if you're an influencer is really important. And putting the most important things at the front of the day will ensure that you actually get things done during the day. The steady individuals are known as harmonicas. They just want to get along with everybody. The only danger they tend to run into in working from home is that if they have a dominant individual that they report to, they're a lot of times getting things delegated to them and then taking on more and more and more and more because they struggle with saying, hey, I am, I am slammed. There is nothing else that I can do. And then the conscientious individuals, those are known as cerebrals. A cerebral is a person who thinks through everything. They will always have a plan and they'll know what their plan is supposed to be, but they will always need other people to validate that plan. So the best thing that you can do is check in at the end of each day to make sure that what you're doing uh, is actually being noticed by other people. That validation kind of keeps you moving in the right direction. When you set your schedule and the way that you manage yourself, you want to first plan your day out. Now, I spend 20 to 30 minutes at the end of each day mapping out what the next day is going to be. I don't spend my time first thing in the morning planning that day. And the reason for that is I don't sleep well if I don't have a plan. Your personality might be different, but mine is I need that preparation. I am equally dominance and influence. I'm right on the line. And so I'm the same amount basically of each one of those things. Dominant people love checklists and they love a plan. The influencers don't love checklists and they don't love plans, but they desperately need them. The second thing is you've got to set boundaries for your day. If your kids are at home or if your spouse is also working at home, you want to make sure that you create little boundaries of time. And I recommend 30 minute chunks where you say, I'm working on this thing for this 30 minutes, then I'll check in on everybody. But creating that chunked time or that boundary for your time will help. The second boundary that I recommend is a technology boundary. I don't, I don't check my email all throughout the day. I had read a bunch of articles about three years ago looking at what the most successful people in the world do. And it, every one of them said, to be successful, I don't let my computer control me. I control the computer or I control the phone. First thing in the morning, check your email and respond. At the middle of the day, check your email and respond. And at the end of the day, check your email and respond. With your direct team, we'll talk about some ways that you can communicate more quickly and manage that communication with some other technology, but you don't want to let your email control everything that you're doing. So easy to get caught up in the distractions. The average person at work loses 2.1 hours per day to distractions. That means that we're only really working just under six hours for the day and when you're at home, it can be even more of a challenge. The next thing you do on setting a schedule is make sure that you know what your key three uh, items are. For me, every day when I've planned my day for the next day, I've got three things that are the most important things to get done, and they're on the schedule first. Typically, I have one of those things done before 8 a.m. every day. I get up between 6 and 6.30, I start working, and then I get ready, and then I go back to work. And that's the way that I've done it for the last five years of working from home. Uh, I've spent 18 years working from the road, essentially, but the last five years not even having an office and just working from the house. And then the last thing, or last two things here on setting a schedule 
Uh, you make sure that you have check-ins. With my employees, uh, because both of them work from home, I check in first thing each day to just talk about what's going on for the day. It would be the equivalent of having a stand-up meeting when you get to work, where each person has 60 seconds to describe what they have going on and what their top priorities are. So you wanna make sure that in that check-in, you're just saying, here's what I have going on, what do you have going on for the day, what do you intend to accomplish? I also recommend that you check in in the middle of the day and the end of the day, just to make sure that things stayed on track. And then finally, do one thing at a time. It is so easy to allow four or five or six things to pile up on us and then get distracted by all of those things going on. So I'm gonna be sending you guys uh, some just JPEGs that you can print off that are a scheduling template. It's a part of my scheduler that I, that I sell on Amazon called hashtag GSD planner or get stuff done. But I want to describe what's on there. You circle the date. So you would put you know, March 17th and then you would say, I am, and this is in the top left-hand corner and you give yourself an affirmation. The affirmation just keeps you focused on what your intent for the day is. Today, I am purposeful. Then you have your key three that you list out then you have your schedule on the right side of the paper. You list out your schedule, and I do realize that we all have electronic schedules now, but there's something powerful about still writing out what you're going to get done for the day. And then you have your other tasks. You don't put your tasks on there until they come up during the day. Stay focused on the key three first, and then add other things that come up and get those done as they come up or as you finish the other piece. The second side of the paper, and I do this as a two page in my planner, you have any of your notes, plans and dreams for the day. And then at the bottom, it's notes for what you need to get done tomorrow. And then at the top of page two, you list out three wins for the day. This is really important. And I know this is a bit of psychology for you, but at the end of each day, so often when you're working from home, you're like, good Lord, I don't know if I got anything done today. If you'll sit back and think about it, you did accomplish something. It's not a coincidence that there's a key three on the left and there's a three wins on the right. Your key three can be your three wins. You don't always get the key three done. You should try to make sure that you always do, but you don't always. Any wins that you have, closed another deal, uh, reached out to 10 people, whatever the win is, just write it down because you need to affirm yourself and make sure that you continue moving yourself in the right direction. That's the essential components of planning your day. I took and studied, this was about, I want to say four years ago, I bought every planner I could find out there. And then just after that, I started studying what the most successful people do in managing their time. And that's how I put together my time management training was based on what the most successful people around the world do in managing time and how they track it. So this planner is the culmination of how those things work. I sell it super cheap, it's just 10 bucks on Amazon, but I am going to send you the graphics so you can print them off each day if you'd like to and just use it from that perspective. I don't try to make a lot of money off of that, it costs me about $7 on Amazon, so I make about two bucks on it. The next component that I wanna talk about is how you communicate effectively, and there's four different areas that I really wanna hit. The first is when you're at home and you're setting expectations for a person, you're not gonna be able to just walk by their office and go, hey, I was just checking in on that, how are things going? 
when you set expectations, there's three components that you have to cover. The first is what specifically do you want? And you want to talk about the outcome or the result that you're looking for from whatever you're delegating off to another person. The second is when do you want it? And you want to be very specific about this. And what I would recommend on the when is a specific date and a specific time. Don't say as soon as possible or yesterday or right now, because those are not actual times. You can say, I need this by Thursday at 2 p.m. That's fine. That's a specific date and time, and that gives them something that they can shoot for. But make sure that you account for what they've got going on. The question I ask when I'm setting expectations for my people is, I know you set a key three for the day. Will you have time to do this in that time frame? And then I'll say, can you tell me what your key three are? They tell me the key three, and there are times that I say, you know what, can you remove number three and put this in its place? I think it's more important. And that way I am delegating without overwhelming. But if they, the three they have on the list, which typically they are more important than what I'm assigning, if they're more important, I'll say, uh -uh, just put this on your other tasks. I really need it by Thursday at 2 p.m. Let me know if that's going to be a problem. The third piece of setting an expectation is people have to know how you're going to measure it. How will they know if they did a great job? If you don't allocate it correctly, then what you're going to find is you say, just do your best. Well, I grew up with two brothers in the same house with the same rules and the same parents, but we see the world very differently. I'm not right. I'm not wrong. They're not right. They're not wrong. They're just different. So I can't say do your best and expect them to see it in the same manner as me. I have to specifically describe, I need this outcome here's how you'll know if you did a great job. And word it on the positive, not on the, here's how you know if you messed up, word it with, here's how you'll know if you did a great job. The second piece in communication is how you listen effectively. As a leader, 45% of your time is spent listening. This means you will have to be on the phone some or using Zoom or Skype or some other variation of staying connected with your people. But when you're listening to them, stop what you're doing and stay focused on that person. I think one of the struggles that a lot of people have when they're working from home and the person can't see them is that so often we, we think, oh, I'll just, I'll multitask, I'll do four things. The human mind is not truly capable of multitasking. The younger generations are better at jumping quickly from one thing to another, but if you are a Gen Xer or a baby boomer or a traditionalist, the American Psychological Association says that it is a psychological impossibility for you to have divergent thought. You can think here and then go over here, but you're not thinking in two directions at once, thinking in this direction, then quickly jumping to that. The more you learn to focus on the exact thing in front of you, the more you're going to get out of it and the more you're going to actually grow. Second piece of listening is that you as a listener have to respond non-verbally. If you are on, let's say, a Zoom conference with your team and you see people that are just looking off to the side and not looking like they're paying attention, you as the speaker feel like they're not getting what you're saying. So I want you to think about the perspective of how you ensure that people get what you need uh, in the messaging and how you get the right things from them. That is focus on them, respond non-verbally, 
And the third piece is ask questions. You wanna make sure that you ask questions so that you're getting information from them and it makes you an active part of the conversation. Listening is not a passive sport. Listening is a very active sport. The fourth piece of being a great listener is the feedback process. This is where you summarize or paraphrase what the other person said, but you put it in your own words. You use lead-ins like, so what you're saying is, or if I understand you correctly, or, well, that must have been, and then you're checking for emotional context. Those are the kinds of lead-ins that ensure that you're giving the message back to the other person to make sure that you understood exactly what they were saying. The third piece of communication is the way that you process it internally. When you get something from another person, do something with it. I believe that I'm a very intelligent person, but I have the realization that if I just get information all the time, I'll go, oh, I'll get that done later. Oh, I'll get that done in a little bit, but I don't write it down or I don't schedule it out. I am going to be in trouble. So when you get something from somebody, you've got to do something with it. Try to handle it once if you can. If you have the time right then to respond and get it done, get it done. But if you don't, write it on the other tasks on your scheduler and then come back to it, but make sure you get, get it checked off by the end of the day. Second is sort things by importance. In the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, he talked about this decision matrix, things that are important and urgent, important but not urgent, urgent but not important, and not important and not urgent. A lot of what we get in from people is not important and not urgent, or it's not important, but it's urgent. It's just not really going to matter if we actually get it done. So learn to evaluate which things are going to have the biggest impact and do those first. I use a vertical file folder system, and because traffic lights are easy to understand, I do red, yellow, and green. Green is super important and urgent. I need to get it done. Yellow is it's important and maybe a little urgent. And I ought to get it done. Red is pretty sure they're never going to ask about this and I can just let it go because it won't end up mattering. So when you're trying to put together your schedule and trying to make sure that things work the right way, you learn to evaluate based on the response patterns of other people. Some kind of system of organizing is going to be important. And then the third and final component of get something done when you are given something is either do it then or schedule it. It may not be scheduled for that day, but I've learned to use what's called backdating. And I started using this 25 years ago. When you get a project, you, you kind of mentally frame it and say, this is going to take me X amount of time. Let's say it's going to take four hours. So you start scheduling out the four hours. There's a pretty good chance you're not going to do all four hours all at once on whatever it is that you're doing. To put together a one hour webinar takes seven hours of work. So when I'm putting this together, I know that I've got to allocate seven hours for a brand new webinar. So I'll schedule an hour this uh, Tuesday, an hour on Thursday, an hour on Monday, and so on until I've got the whole thing scheduled out. And then I live by that schedule. Final component of effective communication is learning to adjust to others. Going back to the personality piece for just a minute, uh, based on what your personality is, you have to learn what you typically do, but you also have to learn on the personality of another person, what is it that they need from you? If I am a dominant individual and I am really direct and I'm hard driving and I push, 
but I've got a steady individual that works for me, I can't communicate in that really direct fashion and expect to get a positive return on my communication. I've got to step back and think, they need time to adjust. I need to be the right kind of person for them as a leader. Here's how I'm going to help. And so I adjust to that person so that my communication fits them. I don't force people to fit me. I try to fit who they are and what they need. And that accelerates your capacity as a leader, but it also makes it much easier in the communication process, whether you're in charge or not. If you learn to communicate the way the other person needs, then success is inevitable. Make sure, and I said this already, but make sure you check in regularly. With your team that you collaborate with, I honestly recommend three check-ins. First thing in the morning, right before lunch, and about four o'clock in the afternoon. If you'll do those three check-ins, they know that they're going to create some kind of a response to you or an accountability, and that allows them to really chunk their time and go, I've got to keep this as a priority because I know Jody's going to call at 1130 and I want to make sure that it's done. And it's not because you're trying to micromanage, but we all need accountability to somebody. And creating that right accountability creates the patterns of success that they need. The next component of working from home is managing your mindset. And there's four areas, mental imagery, habits, agreements, and positioning. So in the mental imagery, I believe that you've got to start your day with something positive. Either read something that builds you up, whether you, you pick a great book, you know, maybe a Jody Holland book or a Zig Ziglar book. Hope you got that that self-promotion in there, um, or something like that, or watch a TED Talk. I'm huge on TED Talks. I go to the TED channel on YouTube, and I pick a topic area that I want to learn about that day. Most of those are 20 minutes. It's a really good way to get your day started and to just get your energy and your mental imagery in the right direction. Second is use a morning and a night routine. And there's two components of this. So your brain shifts the way that it operates in the first five minutes that you're awake and in the last five minutes before you go to sleep. It moves to what's called a hypnagogic state. This means that you go from these really quick brainwave patterns of conscious processing to a slowdown of those patterns. They don't go into a full hypnotic rhythm, but it's slow enough that you can receive suggestions. First thing every morning, you need I am statements. You need affirmations that just builds you up and make you feel better. And if you're interested in any of those, you can just email me. I'll give you some of my suggestions. I think I've got about 25 of them written out. But essentially it is, I am, and then say something positive. I am strong. I am confident. I am driven. I am happy. I am a great boss. I am an influencer. Whatever your I am's are, you need four or five minutes of just saying a statement and, and feeling into it and thinking about how that statement would work for you. The second thing is when you're going to bed, you want to ask yourself this question. What would it feel like if everything was fantastic right now? It's all going perfect. When you ask that question, try to hold on to that feeling and then drift off to sleep. You're operating on the two different sides of the mind. You're dealing with in the morning, the prefrontal cortex or where logic is, and you're at night dealing with the, the limbic center of the brain where the emotions are. When you learn to deal with those two sides of the brain, you're adjusting what's called the reticular activating system in the brain. The reticular activating system or RAS, it tells you what to notice and what to look for. 
with what we've been going through with COVID-19 right now, the fear element is huge. You should be careful. You should prepare. You should wash your hands regularly, but you should always do those things. Uh, you think about how the fear hypes people up. You can do the same thing in the other direction where the positive emotion, the positive energy hypes you up that even if you are being more cautious right now, you can still be hyper productive and very successful. Next, I want you to think about how you visualize your day going. As you map out your plan, you want to think this is going to happen. I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish this. You want to feel into it and see that image. Every day at the start of the day, I take 60 seconds to visualize everything going the way that I want it to during the day. Even if things don't go exactly as planned, you still have a better shot at it because you have the right attitude. Zig Ziglar used to always say that a positive attitude won't make it where you can do anything, but a positive attitude will make it where you can do everything at a much better level. So you're going to be able to do everything better with that right imagery going on in your mind. If you get stressed during the day or things are not going in the right direction, take a 60 second vacation. You know how to hypnotize yourself because all you're doing is visualizing. What I do every time I get overly stressed is I close my eyes and I picture myself sitting in this really comfortable chair on the beach, listening to the waves with a Dos Equis in my hand. Um, it's not a commercial for Dos Equis, but that's just kind of what I would want if I was sitting on a beach listening to the waves. It's super relaxing, super comfortable. Whatever your image is and your happiest place, a 60-second vacation can change your entire attitude. The other thing that you want to think about is if your, your attitude starts to go down, change your physical posture. Straighten your shoulders, pull your shoulders back, raise your chin up, smile, pretend that you're happy even if you're not because your physical posture controls your emotional state. If you combine these things together, you're going to do much better. If you find that you're starting to get depressed or you're struggling, then Surround yourself with positive sayings. I have quotes all over the place in my office. I also have little sayings that I can just pull up in a PowerPoint and just remind myself that the world is a great place. There is no other option either, but it is a great place. I have the Invictus poem on my wall in my office. And it, I'm not going to do the whole poem for you, but it's kind of just gets you going. It's out of the night that covers me black as the pit from pole to pole. Like it goes into this, like, ah, I can do anything that I want to do. You got to have something like that that gets you going. The second component of your mindset is your habits. I have a routine every morning. When I started working from home and not going to the office, I struggled for the first couple of weeks. And the struggle was really not about, you know, do I want to work? The struggle was, well, nobody's checking. I, I don't need to get up at 6. I could get up at 7.15 or 7.30. And it, it kind of killed my productivity for that first week and a half, two weeks, because I didn't have a routine established. Just like you're going to the office, get up, get dressed, uh, go somewhere to do your work, make your coffee, whatever your routine is, live by the routine. I get up at the same time every day. I have the, the same routine for getting myself going, then for eating breakfast and getting ready. I do all of that. Make sure you also stop for lunch. Stopping for lunch and actually eating something for lunch is a great habit to be in. There is a danger that if you get into your rhythm, particularly if you're a dominant 
or conscientious person, you might forget to eat. And I've seen a lot of people do this. It is not healthy to forget to eat. Stop for lunch, give yourself 20 minutes, shut your mind down, just eat, just enjoy yourself, and you can go back to work after that. The third habit is learning to chunk. Chunking time is learning to allocate either 15-minute blocks or 30-minute blocks of your time to a specific project. And do not allow interruptions. There is an internet off button on your laptop or on your computer. If you're on Wi-Fi, just turn the Wi-Fi off. When you do this, it keeps distractions from messing with you. And it allows you to stay focused for that 30 minutes. If you can focus for 30 straight minutes, you can get done a ton of work. I've also found when I first started working from home that that first you know, 30, 45 minutes in the morning that I was working and then getting ready, I got a bunch of stuff done because nobody was calling and nobody was emailing. I could just focus. I also am very creative at night. So part of my habit is I plan my day from 4.30 to 5 because I'm typically done training by 4. And then at night around 10 o'clock, I just review it and I do some creative work. If I'm putting together a PowerPoint or writing, that's a good time for me. When everybody else starts to go to bed, I can then create. The other thing that I'll tell you is you do have to remember to get up and move. When I first started working from home, I sat in a chair. I got my rhythm going. Then I sat in a chair for like six hours and realized, oh my gosh, my back's killing me. My butt's killing me. I haven't moved in forever. Every 30 minutes, that's the reason I recommend 30-minute chunks, just stand up, stretch, and move. You should be doing that in the office anyway. This is just something you can add at home. And then the fourth component of your mindset is positioning yourself for success. You want to create a space to work that is separate from the main traffic of your house. I don't recommend sitting on your living room couch and working. Kitchen table tends to work well. I have a back porch that has a desk on it. Uh, I'm very blessed, actually, that I also have a little office that is separate from my house. So I can walk across my driveway and go to my office that's there. I have a space that is set up for work, and I go there. Uh, get your kids set. If you've got kids at home, you can't just say, just entertain yourself for six hours. You have to actually get them going on something. Homeschool type of projects are a great idea. Create an art project, create a science project show them how to work with money, give them, when our, my daughters were little, they would be home at the end of the day. Uh, they remember counting money a lot. Part of that was so that I could have some peace and quiet to work. And they also learned about counting and about money. So I would take out all these coins and I had probably $75 worth of coins at all times at the house. And my oldest daughter, she was the first one I did this with, I would sit her down and I'd go, okay, this is a penny, it's one, this is a nickel, it's five. And we went through what the money meant and I had her count all the money. You get an hour if your kids like counting where you can stay focused and they are learning math and money skills at the same time. It's practical, it's helpful, and it's good for you. Don't work in bed. I don't recommend that you lay in bed and work. I think just from what the American Psychological Association says, if you will reserve your bedroom for the bedroom and you will work out here, then you keep your mind going in the right direction. You also find, this is particular for college students, the position that you're in when you're studying or working has to be the same position that you were in when you take a test. You do much better on tests and on memory if you're sitting 
when you work and then sitting when you deliver. So your physical posture actually impacts your memory capability. And then finally, mentally assume that others are looking to you as their leader to know what they're supposed to be doing. You are the example. And if you focus as the example, I think what you'll find is people go, man, I need to do what they're doing. What Jody's doing is working great. The fourth piece of mindset is the agreements. Now, I set check-ins. The schedule that I talked about, you can pick whatever schedule is right for you. For me, it's three times a day, first thing in the morning, at noon, and at the end of the day. Whatever you and your team decide is great. I recommend checking in with your boss as well, though, and the way that you do that is you just do a quick summary of what you accomplished for the day. Bosses have a tendency, particularly if they're more on the autocratic side of things, to assume that you're not doing anything. Research has shown that working from home actually produces 30% more work than working in an office if you follow the things that I'm teaching in this webinar. So learning to work in the right manner helps you to become more successful and produce one-third more work than what you were producing at the office. The way that you make sure that your boss is comfortable with all of this, though, is you just at the end of the day, here were my key three, here's what I got done, there's other things that I handled, just wanted you to know. And you're really not talking, you don't need a 14-page report, you need one or two paragraph summary, or even better, bullet point summary of the things that you got done. That sets people at ease, lets them know that this is going to be fine, things are still moving forward and getting done, and they can learn to relax. You want to map out your next day, I talked about that, and set project timelines. If you don't have a project management software, you need to start looking for one for your team. Things like monday.com or Slack or Asana. Asana is a fantastic project management system and it's free. And it's asana.org and you can map out what needs to be done on a project. You can assign each component of the project to a person. They can put their notes in and pictures and whatever else they need to do, upload documents so that you can track the whole thing. Find a system that works for you for any projects that you guys are working on and make sure that you're tracking it. The next component of working from home is understanding your technology. You got to use what works for you, but I'm going to give you a few of the things that I find to be incredibly helpful. Zoom.us, that's what we're doing this webinar with, works fantastic. Um, there's no slam on any other technology for video conferencing, but the thing that I've loved about Zoom is that it's not a big download for people for them to participate. Another one that you can use for quick meetings is join.me, so J-O-I-N.me. When you're using join.me, you're just sending a link to another person, and then you can share your screen. It's a super easy way to show somebody what's going on and what you're doing and to work with them effectively. Another one that if you're having to provide any kind of tech support or you're having to work with another person on their computer and they struggle on computers is Team Viewer. If you just Google Team Viewer, you'll see the link. You can download it. It allows you to remotely control another person's computer for a temporary period of time. They give you a code, you give them a code, and then it gives you or grants you access to control their computer from yours. So you literally, you're moving your mouse and you see it on their screen. So you take over their screen and you can do what you need to do to help people. That one's been incredibly helpful for the people that I've worked with remotely, particularly ones that are in another state. 
where they're like, oh, I can't figure out how to do this thing. I can't schedule this assessment. So I can go in and I can show them how to do that by controlling their mouse from Amarillo, Texas. Second uh, piece of software that I love, it's online, is Slack. Slack is a communication system where you can have a channel or an area that you're talking about, and you can have all of the communication for each person related to that thing right there. I find it to be a lot easier than trying to remember which email and when it came in and, and that kind of stuff. Just go to Slack and you can use that. We also use monday.com. Monday.com, I can map out for the day. And Adam, I need you to get these four things done. Debbie, I need you to get these three things done. And here's my seven things that I put on my list. They can say, working on it, in progress, here's some notes on it, got it done. If you are the leader and you're remotely trying to manage what's going on with other people, this is a good way to, to make sure the schedule is in there. And you can have them add their schedule that they planned out into monday.com so that you can see what they're working on at a glance. You don't have to use these things, but they're just things that I've found to be very helpful. The other thing that a lot of remote uh, companies work with is some kind of an instant messenger. Microsoft, if you have the, the whole Office 365, they've got an instant messenger in there that works fantastic. When you log on, you can see who's on and who's not on, so you can kind of track time that way if you need to track time but you can also message back and forth very quickly. Texting works fine. Uh, any other instant messenger that you really like, just pick something for that quick communication or use something like Slack that allows you to stay on top of things. The next piece of this is the right priorities. And there's three key areas that I talk about with prioritization. The first is to create zones of accountability. Within every department, you'll have three, four, maybe five zones at the most of measurement. So let's say, for example, within a sales department, we've got somebody that's going to be responsible for bringing in leads. Their job is to go online, create ads, do whatever, but they bring in the opportunities. And then you've got somebody that's responsible for managing outbound calling. Then you've got somebody that's responsible for the presentations and the deals closed. So you might have those three areas, just as an overarching example, as zones, and then within each zone, you create processes so that you can manage the steps of the process. You want to make sure that you map things out as clearly as possible within the accountability zones and the process areas so that it is very predictable for you to be successful. Second piece is uh, tracking your time. And actually, one more thing on the zones. From a business standpoint, money is a zone. Business development is a zone customer service is a zone. Within each zone, you have to have a single person that is managing the zone. You can't say customer service is everybody's responsibility because if you do that, nobody is truly responsible. If one person has to answer for customer interactions and then they manage the processes, what you'll find is just that level of accountability, that inspection creates a more positive expectation and creates positive accountability. Accountability is not a negative thing. 70% of accountability has to be affirming other people that you did a great job. Hey, when you did this, I appreciated it because of this outcome. So it's behavior feeling impact when you affirm. 30% has to be confronting. Hey, when you did this, I was frustrated because of this outcome, behavior feeling impact. And then you go through a listening process with them. 
Second piece of your priorities is just tracking your time. I track my time all the time. I don't have anybody that is quote unquote my boss, but I just got in the habit years and years ago of saying, I need this amount of time for this today and this amount of time for this. And I map these things out into those chunks so that I know I'm tracking and doing what I'm supposed to do. When I don't create my schedule and I don't track my time, I don't get outcomes. It's cause and effect. What you do creates your outcome. So the cause, actions that you take, create the effect or the outcomes that you get. And then the third piece of priorities is every day measure your outcomes. If you find that you're getting to the end of the day and you're not actually getting things done, step back from the day, evaluate and be honest with yourself. Where did I spend my time and how can I reallocate time to ensure that I get things done? When you think about the work that you're doing and, and the way that you're doing your work, when you start measuring these things, whether you work from home or use this model when you go back to work, you will up your productivity. Highly engaged people produce as much as three times the work of disengaged people. So when we can focus on creating this positive return, even in a negative time in our country, we can create a lot of fantastic stuff. The most successful companies in the world were all created in a down economy. We are in our down economy right now, and it hit us quick. It wasn't a one-year progression. It was two weeks. Stock market is crashing. Oil is not doing good. All these things are going on. We can either freak out or we can regroup, deal with what we've got to deal with, and move ourselves forward. Your business isn't going to stop. You shouldn't allow your business to stop. You just have to innovate and market at a more effective pace. So seven things, measure what matters, manage yourself and set boundaries, communicate more, not less. So you want to be more regular in the way that you interact, manage your mindset, use your technology to your advantage, prioritize your day and what's important and do it on purpose and then innovate and win. If you're willing to innovate, you will always get the right outcomes that you're looking for. So those are the, the seven key areas that we really covered. Uh, we hit all of those. They're in five core categories, but I added a couple of things to that. Uh, I know we've got, a, looks like a few questions in there. Is that correct, Adam? Okay. So if you have any questions, go ahead and type those in right now. Uh, I've got some comments that are in there and we'll make sure that everybody gets taken care of. We'll be putting this together, like I said, as a video. So we'll put this out on YouTube. It'll be probably by Monday at the latest. That'll be the plan. It'll take us just a couple of days to get the, the graphics and the audio and everything finished. So anything that you guys need from me, please feel free to reach out. But I want to just let you know a couple of things. One, this is the perfect time to train your people. If they're going to be at home anyway, allocate some time every single day to doing training. On my website, psycheofsuccess.com, I have a fantastic one-year leadership program that is perfect for allowing for social distancing. Uh, for an individual, it's $495, and it is roughly 36 hours of training. It is a lot of cool stuff, and it's designed that if you go 10 minutes a day for the 20 days of the working days of the month, you can cover an entire subject. It'll go from understanding value-based diversity 
all the way to managing priorities, ethics, values, and culture, how you coach people, how you counsel, how you change behaviors, how you communicate. It's very in-depth. It took us a long time to put this together, but we launched it a few months ago and it's working wonderful. It's at psycheofsuccess.com. If you're interested in that and just go to the store. I also have quick leadership tips on there. I think we're up to about 70 tips in there on just how you manage your day. That's $3 a month. It is not expensive at all for those leadership tips. We have a corporate package as well for the e-learning for leadership. If you're interested in that or you're interested in our corporate package for the Supervisor 101 course or our corporate package for Sales Mastery, please feel free to reach out. We would be glad to help you out. We're doing some great deals right now just to try to help companies out. So again, you can reach me at jodyholland.com. You can email me jody at jodyholland.com. And then our e-learning is at psycheofsuccess.com. Thank you guys for being on. I hope you learned a lot. Please apply this information and watch for the email about the YouTube video. We'll see you on the next webinar very soon. Thank you for listening to the Psyche of Success. Give us a five-star rating. Subscribe. Share with your friends. Take out billboards about how much you love us if you want. But just make sure to apply the lessons learned and live fully into your potential. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Psyche of Success.